0: Hello everyone, welcome back to episode 15 of, <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it, remembering which episode number it is, I just never remember to write it down. Yes, lesson two, uh, and this week we're going to talk about research, and we're going to talk a little bit about how the camera sees the world as well. So when I was doing qualification for photography, one of the mandates we had was that we had to look at the work of other photographers and I never really understood it and I think maybe it's an art thing when you have to do research and look at how others did things. I never really understood what the point was. Um, I always thought if I'm looking at (laughs) other people's work then how am I going to maintain my individuality and then I um, I thought about it for a minute and I thought, well, who who am <laughs> I? And we are starting to get deep now. But really, I see myself as as the sum of all the people I've met. And I think Arnie DeFranco had it in a song. And, and it was really good because, you know, we come into this world as blank slates. We're influenced by our parents and then we're influenced by our peers at school and then influenced by all sorts of different things um and you know plumbers (laughs) perfectly capable of fixing a toilet me it would be a disaster but we've got the magic of the internet now and you can just look up how to change a particular part on a toilet and you can go and do it because you're standing on the shoulders of people before you and and we've done that we do that with science with technology with, with everything apart from a few things but we learn hopefully from the mistakes others have made in in doing things and then we get to write it down and so if if i'm quite happy to accept that looking at the work of others helps in all sorts of in, in almost in everything in everyday life why why couldn't it work that way for photography and looking at other photographers are standing on their shoulders and that's kind of what I see it as if we if we look at the work of of people who have made a lifelong career from professional photography especially fine art photography they're the guys that know what's good in whatever field they're in and so if you want to be in that field why wouldn't you look at, at their work just to see how they did it and that's That's really one of the main reasons for doing research. It's not so that we can copy what they've done. It's so that we can actually say, oh, I like the way they did that, and oh, look at how they they did the light with that, and then emulating that. And if you look at all, all of the great arts, that's how it happens. Take music. People always citing their influences, you know, famous rock, rock musicians and other musicians citing people that influenced them and then you can go back to them and find out who influenced them and they've all put their own mark on something that was built from other people's work and so it ca- I, th- I thought I don't have a favourite photographer I don't actually have one until I was forced to do it I didn't have one I couldn't have told you the name of anybody famous because I didn't need them and when I started to do that research and look at their work, I thought, wow, this guy, I really like his work. This doesn't really do anything for me, but this, I do. And that their work has been so good that a publisher has gone, right, okay, we'll have that, and, and they've made it into a book, and it's finally made it for me to look at. And, and it's, it's, it's I started to appreciate the work that I was seeing in such a great, in a, in a, it's just a much more deeper level of understanding. I wasn't seeing it as something that I had to beat. It, I was seeing it as something that I could learn from, and that's that was really hard to sort of <clears throat> figure out because nobody explained it to me. And and then I started to reason. Well, I've got I've got a favorite author. I've got favorite bands. I've got favorite everything. But do I have a favorite photographer? No, because I'm too arrogant. And and I think. If, if, if you believe that you've you're the best you've got nowhere to go and that for me is really really important because i like exploring how far i can go can i achieve this yes am i proud of this yes what how, what can i do to make it better well let's look at other people who are you know i'm an ordinary photographer and they have made a career in professional photography and i'm not talking about careers in youtube um and in content creation i'm talking about people who have made a career from taking photographs um and those people are amazing so researching going down to your local library and going to the photography section and don't pick out the how to do this with your camera how to do that with your camera pick out a book by a photographer for me, Elliot Erwitt, his his works amazing, um, and, and just just have a look at. It is quite difficult to know where to start. I was very fortunate. I was dumped in a light in the photography library, <laughs> and it wasn't a very it wasn't massive. There were like four shelves in there, and but all the books in there were photography, so I could I could pick out what I liked, but. Um, where to start? I, I'll go and get it. Hold on, I'll cut the pause, I think. Okay, it's called 20th Century Photography, and it's a, a Taschen book, T-A-S-C-H-E-N, and I'll, I'll, I'll maybe put a link in the show notes, but this, this is it's a massive, thick book with a single photographer to every page, just showcasing two or three of their images. But it allows you to, sh- to look through and say, do you know what? Wow, I like his work or I don't like their work. And it gives you a starting point to go from. But if you know what you're trying to do with your photographs, that's the time to do research. What is it you want to say with your photographs? What story are you trying to tell? Do you just want a photograph for, for the toilet wall as one of my students said or do you just want to take photographs of your kids better if you, if you want to take photographs of your family there, there's lots of photographers who have made a career out of selling books from documenting families and how and they, how they grow up and, and all sorts of interesting portrait ideas Daniel Meadows has done some great work with looking at how people change over time um, so Finding somebody or photographers who have made a career out of the kind of work that you want to do, that's that's where you need to go. And it, take, it does take time to dig out these names and, and research them. And if anybody wants to drop me an email um, asking for any recommendations for the type of genre of photography they're in, I can, I can try and help if I can. Um, but it really does help to be inspired And it makes me wonder what got me into photography in the first place, into serious photography or taking it more seriously. Um, And it was a book that my wife gave me um, of Edgar Allan Poe poetry. Visions of Poe, it's called. Um, And it's a selection of Edgar Allan Poe's poetry with photographs and an introduction by Simon Marsden. Uh, before he was Sir Simon Marston. And I looked at his photographs, and, and they were so wildly different from the things I'd been doing. Um, but they really, really appealed to me in that my love of gothic horror and, and fantasy horror, really, it, it I, I read a lot of Poe as a kid. I remember getting Dracula out of the library And not being able to understand it or get it, but feeling the um, atmosphere at the same time and loving it. And it was an atmosphere that I ended up recreating, not recreating, but just seeing for myself and being able to recreate it the way I wanted to. I submitted a print to the R- the RPS analogue exhibition and, and it went in the exhibition and it came away with silver. And I was really, really pleased that I'd actually finally managed to get a claim and, and here's me in the first course talking about how if you're doing it for yourself, it doesn't matter what other people think, but it, it when, when they think nice things, <laughs> I'm so shallow, when they think nice things, obviously that's really nice Uh, and it's lovely to hear and then I guess when they say it's like what I said at the beginning take what you like it leave the rest if they say nice things take it on the chin and say okay I'll take that if they say nasty things just go okay you might be right and walk away but um, being able to spend so much time looking at the the work of Simon Marsden and other photographers like him it, it made me feel like I could it empowered me to, to try and put some of my own feeling into into a photograph and not just not just be in a a, a recording um it's really really hard to actually describe and to explain because and no one's ever been able to explain it to me properly but looking at the work of other photographers can be inspiring not from the point of copying them it's trying to stand on their shoulders to put your own spin on things um, and, and I think I've already said this but you you need to know what it is you're trying to do before you even start doing any research and so that's why having themes and projects and ideas that you're continually working on is, is a really good thing uh, If you if you want to get better as a photographer working to a theme or a project is a really really good way of focusing you um uh, because it could be so easy to just walk along and, and take pictures of random things without any direction um it's just like the saying which I th- was from a friend of mine and i can't remember if she uh cobbled it off a rock song but if you don't know where you're going you stand a poor chance of getting there was the phrase um and i think with photography you kind of need to know where you're going you don't need to know the precise destination but sometimes north south east or west would help uh, and, and working to a, a theme can really, really help with that. So, if you want to pick a theme for this for this course, and uh, pick any any theme you like, but stick to it. So, my family, or my favourite place, or a particular colour. There's there's lots of internet places you can go and just type in photography theme and just pick one and go with it um but try and make all the photographs you take as part of this course around that theme rather than just going away and and, and playing with settings and things like that if, if you pick a theme of my family then when we're doing the talk about depth of field use that technical information to work within the confines of the project theme and that will help focus so once you've got your project theme and you've done some research, some people like to do mood boards, so you use a piece of software something like uh, any kind of sticky note type software and just just pin pictures. Pinterest is pretty good for things like that. Just to create a mood board of the sort of images that you're looking for. And that is the earliest sort of research when you're looking for how others have done it. Because it's always a case of stand on their shoulders, learn from them. And as you learn from all these different photographers, you you will develop your own style, it will be unique, it will come, it's not copying. Um so yes, pick a theme, dead important, do your research, and like I said, drop me an email if you want any um ideas for photographers. But that Tas book, 20th century. 20th century photography it's it's a little old the version i've got is anyway um but that that's got so many photographers in there it's a great place to start just as a wide broad kind of approach um so yeah you've if you've got yourself a theme an idea it's always good to write write yourself a proposal um and a proposal is what you're going to do basically and the best way to get your proposal is to ask somebody to interview you about the theme that you've chosen. So you say, I've, I've chosen to do a photographic theme, project with a theme of red. Uh, and, and then ask a family member to ask you questions about it. Why did you choose that? And When you come up with your answers to these questions, then you'll understand what your proposal is, what you're trying to do, and how you're gonna try and do it. And if you can record that or, or write it down, It's a really good way of reminding yourself that you need to stay on track and stick with the original plan because, again, it will focus you and stop you getting distracted. And and when you're focused on taking photographs, you're going to take better photographs. Okay, what we have done? 15 minutes. Okay, so I'm going to spend the last bit of this session um, talking about how the camera sees and then we'll talk about some homework if people want to do homework. Um, So, the way you see things is very unique. Um, You see, everybody sees color slightly differently. Uh, And it always makes me laugh when people talk about calibrating their monitors and things like that. And it's like, if a person who's colorblind sees that picture, then then a calibrated monitor is the least of their problems. Uh, I've known people who can't see particular colors. It's, and we all perceive color very slightly differently. And we also um, perceive subject's depth, um, the the way the light is falling on things, completely differently to how a camera does. So our eyes compensate for certain things in a scene where we're able to differentiate different colors better. Um, But all the camera sees is light coming in. And it has to make a judgment as as to how to expose the photograph. So if you think when somebody shines a bright light in your eyes, you go blind for a second till your iris adjusts uh, and makes things a little bit more bearable. Where the camera needs to do the same thing. It needs to understand what is the right amount of light. Um, and it does that using what's called a light meter inside. And the light meter is dumb as a stump, as they say, over the ocean. Um, it, all it can do is measure what's coming in. It doesn't know if you've got a person standing inside a dark room with his back against a window. It just sees a lot of really black and a lot of really white. And it has to make a guess as to what that right exposure is. And for those of you that use your camera on automatic mode, you will notice that it gets it right quite a lot of the time. But sometimes it doesn't. And that's where manual intervention comes in. Uh, and that's why a lot of cameras have those modes on there. Um, but the automatic mode itself is actually really quite good and is getting better and better as the technology changes. So the way the camera decides what a good exposure is, is is set sort of internally on a computer that you can't do anything with. You get some controls over the camera. Uh, and we're going to talk about those over the duration of the course. But the amount of light that comes into a camera is really controlled by three things. Mm -hmm. And we're on a beginner's course here, so those of you who object to my oversimplification, please shoot me. Um, I'll refund you, actually. (laughs) So the first of these um, three things is the lens. So the lens lets the light into the camera uh, and it goes through what's called an aperture. So the aperture and the size of that aperture controls the amount of light coming into the camera. When the light comes into the camera there's a screen that blocks off the sensor from light and that's called the shutter. And what the shutter does starts out shut and then it opens. And it opens for a certain amount of time to allow a certain amount of light to come through. So we've got our aperture which can control the amount of light coming through the lens and we've got our shutter which is a time-based thing that's open for an amount of time and then closes. So aperture and shutter are the first two main controls over the amount of light coming into the camera and the third control is the ISO. Uh, ISO is the sensitivity of the uh, sensor or film if you're using analogue film. So, whatever the the light is falling onto has an ISO rating. And we'll get into all three of these at a later stage. But really, it's just important, I think, to note at the the off that there really are only three controls you need to worry about um, to allow the light coming into the camera. And when you're on any kind of auto mode, the camera will make a decision about one of those three things, so that you don't have to think of all three. You can do, you can go into manual mode, and there are times when you really do need to go into manual mode, Um, but they're not very often. And when you're in manual mode, obviously, you tell the camera what the three settings are, and it has to obey, regardless of what its light meter says. But in all other situations, the camera will make a decision almost every time on the amount of light uh, and you do get so you get some controls over that over, over sort of moving it up or down from where it initially thinks, but if if it's massively wrong, then manual mode is going to be the only way to take that photograph. And there there are quite a few circumstances where where that's the case, so we'll we'll cover those as we as we get as we go on. So homework, your homework for this week. We didn't have any last week, did we? So it's double bubble. So this week. Think of a theme. Think of a theme you'd like to do. Get a family member to interview you about that theme uh, and, and make some notes as to, as to what you're gonna do. Once you've got your theme idea, go go away and research a couple of photographers, just a couple. Have a look at their work, make some notes about what you think they do that you like, um, as well as what you think they do that you really don't like. And, because that, that can be really helpful too. Um, so, Make some notes about so you've got your proposal, do some research, get some photos and stick them on a, stick them on something, whether it's an electronic notice board or whether you could get a scrapbook for this and, and all my students I get them to do physical scrapbooks uh, which they go and buy and they cut things out and stick them in and it's it can be quite good fun, uh, and it certainly provide a record of your learning and give you something to go back to. Brilliant was annoying the quality the quality okay so you've done your research you've done your mood board you've done you've got a scrapbook you've got a theme you've got a plan um and it's it's, no technical stuff so far this is this is all stuff you can do you don't need a camera you can just sit there and do it um and, and i would encourage you to if you want to but um the good thing is you can just take this entirely at your own pace and you don't need to crashing on the next week until you've done your homework or you could just do what most people do and not do it at all um but i think the, the people that have done it found it really really useful to work towards a theme to have an assignment and to finish something to say okay i did that um so if if you want to follow along you'd be more than welcome and just skip back a bit to where i started talking about homework theme proposal Research photos, and you're good to go. You know what you want to do. And next week, we'll maybe start talking about how you go about doing it because we really need to talk about shutter speed, aperture, and ISO before we go any further. So that's created a bit out of the way for a couple of weeks. And I'll see you soon.